Amen, guys. Ooh, that's so good. So good. Uh, listen, guys, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. I don't know if you caught that, um, that chorus we sang, but Jacob, Jacob played that chorus, and, and we were singing, You reign in all the earth. You reign in all the heavens. And if you haven't been with us yet uh, this summer uh, through this series, one of the things we've talked about is when we talk about the kingdom of God, primarily... Um, that, that phrase, kingdom of God, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, primarily that, that phrase talks about God's reign, God's rule. And so and when we show up, I, I just say that, I try to say this almost every week, when we show up, we're not just singing a bunch of songs. Like that's, that's not what we're doing. We're, we're proclaiming the truth of the kingdom of God, right? And so it, it's a big deal. And guys, uh, glad you're with us. How many of you, um, how many of you prayed for our youth last week as they were at camp? How many of you did that? Okay, awesome, awesome, very cool. Um, we're going to have a couple of stories, I think, at the end of the 11 o'clock service. I know you're like, but we're here at the 8.30. So you can come back at, at 11 if you want to, at the tail end. We've got a couple of uh, youth that are going to share kind of what the Lord has done. But uh, good stuff. Like, I, I know in my own life and with my own children, I've got a son that's come back from camp, and he's, he's going to bed a little early, and, he, and he's turning on his light, and he's in there, and he's reading his Bible, which is, uh, you know, it's good is good. And so I want to challenge you. Maybe you didn't pray for our kids last week. Maybe you forgot. But here's the deal. Um, as much as they needed God to get a hold of them last week, they really need him to sustain them this week. And so I'm going to ask you to go a step further. I want you to commit this week to praying for our youth, okay? How many people are in with that? You can pray for our youth this week. Say, I'm going to do it every day. You need to write it down somewhere. You write it down. The Lord's big on reminders. He said, write things on your forehead. So if you need to, lean over to your neighbor and say, would you write, pray for the youth backwards on my head so when I look in the mirror, I'll see it clearly. Uh, but uh, we, we do ask you, I, I covet those prayers. Well, guys, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm in Matthew 6 this week. Uh, Matthew 6, and we're continuing our summer sermon series on the kingdom of God. And, and again, we spent three weeks defining what the kingdom is primarily when we hear the phrase the kingdom of God is talking about God's reign over us, um, but it also talks about the realm of the kingdom. That's where God reigns. And, and there's a future realm uh, when, when God's going to come and set all things right. And we read about that in the book of Revelation. And then there's the present realm that Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, the future realm of the kingdom invaded this present evil age that we live in. And, and so, the, the, the kingdom of God has been established and that means some things for us here and now. And that's what we're talking about here over the next few weeks. What does it mean in the here and now? And this week, our focus. Now, last week we talked about why all that's a mystery, why we misunderstand it. This week, we're going to talk about why this kingdom has to be a priority. Okay, so join me in a word of prayer and we'll get after it. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. God, we know that your word is true. God, we know that your word is good. We know that it's alive and that it's active, that's sharper than a double-edged sword. We know that it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that we might be equipped for every good work that you have for us. And so, God, we pray that you would help your word come alive in us today. Holy Spirit, we recognize you're the teacher of this church, and we ask you just to come and do what only you can, that you would lift up Jesus in our midst, that we might see him clearly, and that we would want him more than anything else in the world. Teach us from the inside out the ways of God, that we might see his kingdom, that we might hear its truth, and we, we might want this kingdom more than anything else in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Excuse me. <clears throat> Water is good. Water's good. So um, 
Guys, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, um, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It, it's the most famous teaching that Jesus ever taught. And if you've been with us long enough, you know, we've actually covered the whole Sermon on the Mount. Like I did a whole series on the Sermon on the Mount. I think you can still find it on our website somewhere, um, but, but we preached through the whole thing. Preached through it verse by verse. We didn't skip a verse. It was awesome. Um, we're not going to do that this morning because I've got about 30 minutes, okay? So what we are going to do is we're going we're gonna to go through uh, all the verses in Matthew chapter 6. And so uh, I, I just want to kind of set that up. And so in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus in his most famous sermon basically shows up and he's like, hey guys, kingdom of God is here and, and it's not just a little different, okay? And, and maybe you haven't thought about this. Timothy Keller has a really cool article on this that, that Jesus was a revolutionary, right? And we think about revolutionary figures and how, how people oppose them, that they would kind of like, they would often have to withdraw and like hide out in mountains and things like that. And Jesus is kind of doing that. And so, so the Sermon on the Mount, like he's kind of coming down from that mountain region He's going to share the truth. And, and so he's like, man, Jesus is this revolutionary figure. But unlike all the other revolutionary figures, you think about the revolutionary figures in our world, and the truth is they just want to make minor adjustments to the way that society is run. Really. I mean, that's it. They, they just think, well, you know what? If we take these people out at, at, from here and we insert these people here, then everything will be fine, right? If, if, we, if we just change um, how, how, how we think about the economy, then everything will be fixed. If we just put this law into place, then everything, like most revolutionaries, to be honest, we call them revolutionaries, but the truth is that they're kind of making minor adjustments to the way that the world is. But then Jesus shows up, Matthew chapter 5, starts to talk about the kingdom of God, and he's like, hey, this isn't a minor shift in thinking. Right? Like, like what I'm going to submit to you about the kingdom of God, it's not some kind of, kind of political movement, right? I mean, we've talked about this before. Last week we said, like, it's, it's not going to stop all the evil that you see. Like, Jesus isn't like, he's like, this isn't going to be a small thing, um, but, but rather what I'm going to talk to you about is, is revolutionary. It, it, it involves everything that you know and think about the life, uh, think about life and the world. And, and so with that, he kind of begins to teach in, in Matthew 5. Right? And Matthew 5, he starts saying, you know, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of God. He starts talking about this kingdom. And so um, when we get to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus then expounds on the fact that he told us in Matthew chapter 5 that the kingdom is nothing like what, anything that we could ever conceive, right? That, that the kingdom of God is not here to make minor changes, but it's completely different than what we could comprehend. And we get to Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus says these words. We're going to read the whole chapter, um, even though you're not supposed to read that much scripture at one time. So here we go, okay? I just want you to have the context. Have the context. So, uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1, the Word of God says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So when uh, with your Father in heaven, uh, so when with your Father you give to the poor, uh, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have the reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you that they have their reward. But when you pray, go into, pri- in, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine that they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your Father knows the things that you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven... Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive you of your offenses. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father, uh, but it's to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't store up treasures uh, for yourselves, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters since either he'll hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink about your body and what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his life by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do so much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Three things I want to share with you real quick. I think Matthew 6 teaches us about the kingdom of God, okay? Number one, I think Matthew 6 teaches us that the kingdom of God completely confronts our view of life, okay? The kingdom of God completely confronts our view of life. So when Jesus shows up on the scene proclaiming the kingdom of God, uh, he says, like, the kingdom is right here in your midst. Like, he doesn't say, you know, and it's just a minor shift. Like, that, that, that's not his approach, Right? As we've seen, the kingdom that Jesus comes proclaiming, it's not what was expected. It's not a political movement. Like we talked about last week, he didn't come to, to get rid of all of the evil establishment. That's what the Jews were looking for. That's why John the Baptist, at, like at the end of his life, is like, hey, hey, what's up? Are, are you really the one? Because he's about to be killed by, by an evil establishment. And, and he's going, wait, wait a second. I thought when the Messiah came, all things were going to be set right. And that's the mystery of the kingdom that Jesus came. And he's like, hey, for a time, the, the wheat and and, and the weeds have to grow up together, okay? And then the, the ultimate uh, coming of the kingdom will ha- and, and all that will, will, will shake out. And so uh, when Jesus comes proclaiming the kingdom of God, it's completely unexpected. And, and, and one of the parts that's unexpected is, is, is what we're looking for, right? Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount takes all that a step further. And he basically says, listen, the kingdom of God isn't just a little different. It actually stands in complete opposition to everything that you know, okay? You guys have your bulletins? Um, there's been an, an illustration uh, lying before you every week on the cover of your bulletins, okay? Take a kind of close look at that. You see that beautiful mountain there on the bottom, okay? So, so, so that mountain represents what we know uh, about life, 
It's what we know about life. So that mountain and the sunset, we're going to call that kind of the right side up kingdom. And that's kind of what we know about life, right? And, and, and all the stuff that we think is important, all the stuff that we live for, all the stuff that the world tells us is important. So when Jesus shows up, he doesn't come to talk about that. He doesn't come to talk about what we're, I'm going to call it the right side up kingdom, but that's actually the kingdom of the spirit of the air. That's, that's, that's the devil's playground, right? So, so Jesus doesn't come to say, hey, I want to adjust this kingdom. He actually says, hey, I'm coming to bring a completely different kingdom. And guess what? It's more like what you see there at the top, right? It's basically upside down from everything that you could imagine. It's, it's kind of the complete opposite of everything that you know. And, and so he comes saying this, like what seems right to you, what you're used to seeing, what you know about the kingdom is actually, it's completely wrong, all of it, all of it. It's pretty much the opposite of everything you see. And so, so uh, let's go back to the text for a second. Uh, I've got um, verse 22 and 23 on the screen for you. And, and it says this, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? So before that, he talks about storing up treasures for yourself here on earth, all this kind of stuff, right? And, and, and so this is, this is what I'm saying to you. What, what, Jesus, what Jesus does is he shows up in the midst of it. He talks about the kingdom of God. And he's like, hey, hey, your problem isn't that you're just missing a, a little bit. Like, like we show up in church thinking like, when I'm going to show up, that guy up there is going to give me the one little thing that I'm missing and then all my life will be right, right? Because we show up and, and because, because we're thinking about, about the, the lower kingdom. We're thinking about what, what, what appears right unto us. And so Jesus comes and he's like, hey, your problem isn't that. Your problem's not on this plane. Your problem is actually up on, up on this plane. And so what he says is, 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 here's your problem. Here's the problem with all humanity. By nature, ready? We see the entire world wrong. That's our greatest problem. By nature, we see everything completely wrong. He, he puts it this way. Your eyes are bad. Your eyes are bad. Now, listen, if our eyes are bad, if we see everything wrong, then here's what's going to happen. We'll get this in a second. But if I see everything wrong, if I focus on the wrong things, I'm going to set my heart on the wrong things, right? If I set my heart on the wrong things, I live and I give my time, affections, and passions to all the wrong things. And so Jesus shows up uh, to, to people that are expecting. Now listen, they want addition. They're like, we just want you to add some political power so, so, that, so that the world that we know is just a little bit better. And Jesus comes and he goes, that's not how the kingdom of God works. So listen to me. If you're a Christian here today, and you're one of those people that you show up and you're just expecting God to add a little bit to your life so that everything will be right. I, I, I just want to say to you, like, listen, the, the kingdom of God, you're going to be deeply disappointed if, if that's who you are. You, you showed up and I just need, I, geez, I just, I, I need you to add a little bit of spirituality to my life. Because he's like, no, no, my child, like, hey, I, I didn't come to add a little bit. I came to shake everything up, right? So our problem, guys, is, is ultimately that we have the wrong view on life. We have the wrong view on what's important. I mean, think about what we think is important, right? We, how, how many of you worry about whether or not you've got enough money in the 401k? Be honest. How many of you worry about what health care will be like when you get older? How many of you worry about your children and, and what they're going to do in life and whether or not they're going to get a good education and get a good job? Right? Okay? And Jesus shows up to people like us that are focused on those kind of things. And he says, hey, here's the problem. Ready? Like, like this is bad news. 
Can, can you imagine that you walked into the optometrist and like everything, like you're like, oh, oh, everything's fine. And you walk in, he goes, you're blind. I'm taking your license, right? So Jesus shows up and he goes, your, your problem is that you're blind. Your eyes are completely bad and, and it has affected everything that you know, even though you don't know it has, right? And so that's, that's where we start. That's where we start when we talk about this, this kingdom of God, right? The kingdom completely confronts our view of life. Uh, basically, Jesus shows up and says, you've got everything wrong. Second thing I, I want you to see the kingdom of God does. Listen, the kingdom of God reminds us that we're more than just physical beings, okay? So I want to walk you through pro- progressions. I like things to make sense. When things don't make sense, I scratch my head, and I'm like, I, I don't understand that. So when it comes to things of God, I, I, I hope this, this makes sense. So our, our problem, according to Jesus, is that our eyes are bad, right? So our eyes are bad, so we, 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 we're looking at the wrong things, thinking that they're going to fix our, our, our problem, okay? So the Bible says that we are all born with a, a giant cavernous hole inside of us. Uh, it says that we long for the things of God, for things of eternity, Okay, that, that, that's how we're created. It says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of mankind. So our hearts crave something more than what this world can provide. Now, here's the thing, though, okay? But our eyes are bad, okay? So we know we've got a hole in our life. We know that we have a need for something, but our eyes are bad. And so we set our sights on the things that we think will bring us uh, contentment and happiness, right? And, and so when we set our sights on those things, then, then we lock in our hearts on those things. And our hearts begin to believe that those things are the answer. We become passionate about those things. The problem with that is the heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure, according to the word of God. And so our, our sinful hearts lock on to, to the wrong things we're looking at, and our hearts convince us that those things will make us whole, right? Those things will make us happy. Those things are going to bring us peace. And so what do we do? We, we live for those things. Jesus puts it this way. He says, we begin to treasure those things, right? And so I, I'm just back in the word again in, 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 in verse 19. Jesus says, so don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, uh, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. And for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now skip down to verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters since either one will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is going like, hey, there, here's a crisis for you. Here, here's the crisis. There are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom uh, of, 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 of this world. There's the, the right side up kingdom. There's the thing that makes sense to you. There's the thing that you understand. There's the thing that you see. And, and everybody in the world is kind of on the same page. It's like you've got to have enough money. You've got to be able to retire. Health is really important. Education is really important. Like these are the things that you have to live for. Like these are the things to instill in your kid. Got to teach your kid to work hard right? Got to have a strong work ethic because by golly, I mean, after all, eventually we're going to teach them that when it comes to God, they got to pull themselves up by their bootstraps anyway, right? It's all about hard work. And so we kind of, this kingdom down here, and like, that's what we think. And then the, the kingdom of God is like this completely other thing. And so Jesus is going like, say, here's your crisis. You only have so much time, talent, and treasure, and, and your crisis is going to be, you have to choose, because you can't um, spread out your time, talent, and treasure between these two kingdoms. It doesn't work that way because one of them is going to own you. And the other you're going to eventually despise. 
And, and, and so then he, he kind of goes on. He says, and, and here's, here's what that looks like, that ownership. So when we get caught up in the right side up kingdom and, and our eyes are, are bad and, and our hearts are set on the wrong thing and we're treasuring the wrong thing, um, we begin to think, again, what we have a hole in us. So what, if I have enough of that, then I'll be at peace. You guys follow me? If I, if I have enough of that, then I'll be okay. And so we're, we're running after those things. And so Jesus describes that like this. He says, that's how, that's how the Gentiles think. That's how, that's how people without God live. Okay? And, and, and so he explains that in verse 25. He says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. So, so these people that live that way, they're, they're, they're focused with worry. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or about, what you're, about your body and what you're going to wear. Isn't life more than food or the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Ready? Aren't you worth more than they? So Jesus is trying to speak to the people of God to remind them that they are more than just animals. See, here's the deal. Because our eyes are bad and because our hearts are set on the wrong thing, we act like nothing more than animals trying to fulfill every sinful craving we have is how Paul would describe it. I've shared with some of you um, before, you've heard this before, but you new ones might like it. My wife hates this analogy, but I love it. Um, you ever heard how, how an Eskimo kills a wolf? Eskimo takes a knife and he sharpens it, sharp as he can get it. And then he dips it in blood and he lets it freeze. And he dips it in blood and he lets it freeze. And he dips it in blood and he lets it freeze. It becomes this blood popsicle. And then he goes and he wedges it between two rocks. And so that wolf, as that, that wolf can smell that blood and he comes and he finds that knife and he begins to lick it, right? And of course, it's cold and so his tongue gets cold and he just, the more blood he gets, the more he licks and licks and licks and pretty soon, and now, 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 that, 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 now it becomes warm with his mouth, right? And his, his tongue is numb and now, now there's more blood and there's more blood and, and because at some point the blood on the knife is worn off and that wolf is licking that razor sharp knife and he is bleeding out, <laughs> That's how you kill an animal. And Jesus shows up and he goes, hey, you don't know it, but you're dying to all this stuff because you guys are acting like animals. And you're following all of your sinful cravings. And he shows up and really what he's saying is, listen, you're more than that. You're, more, you're better than that. You're not just an animal. God made you in his own image. In the image of God, you were created. You're not just an animal. You're not just a physical being. You are a spiritual being. So Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, don't get caught up in this, man. Because here's what happens. You're going to get caught up in that, and it's going to own you. Your desires, like, it's going to own you. It'll never be enough. You're going, to, you're going to act like an animal. If I just get more, if I get more, if I get more, then if I get more, if I get more. And Jesus shows up, and he's like, more is not what you need. You don't need to feed the body. You need to feed the spirit. So Jesus shows up and reminds us, man, we are more than just physical body. Isn't that good? It's good stuff, right? Which brings me to kind of our last point this morning I want to share with you. It's that the kingdom of God promises freedom and blessing to those who prioritize it. The kingdom of God promises freedom and blessing to those who uh, prioritize it. And so I I want you to look with me. We're going to walk through it. I I put the scriptures on the screen for you because we've covered like a whole chapter. 
watch Jesus build his argument here. So um, starting verse 19, he says, don't. Like, don't do this. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and, and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. Verse 25, uh, don't. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what your body, what you're going to wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 31, ready? Don't. Don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we... Are you kind of getting the, 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 the emphasis? Jesus is going, you are consumed, Okay? Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't store up, don't. It's all don't, right? Because this owns you. This owns you. How many of you have ever been awake at night because you were worried about provision? Only The rest of you are lying in church and God will strike you down. Liars. Let's try one more time. How many of you have ever, like, and, I'm, and listen, I'm a dude. I'm pretty good at, at, like, my wife is always like, how can you just roll over and go to bed? I'm like, because I'm a guy, and I can't fix it today. I'm going to work on it tomorrow. For the most part, I can usually, you know, how can you just lay your head down and be asleep? I say, I, I have a clear conscience. What can I say? Um, but, there, like, every one of us, how many of you have had at least one night in your life, you stayed up worrying about something? Come on. All right. Okay, yeah. That's about 100%. That's about 100%. So listen, Jesus speaking to people like us, okay, I just want to bring this home, speaking to people that worry about stuff, okay, and, and he's going, hey, listen, you don't, you don't know it, but here's the deal, there's two kingdoms, they work in completely different ways, the one of this world, like, like your problem isn't just a little thing, it's a major thing, your eyes are bad, so your heart's set on the wrong thing, you think if you have enough, you're going to be okay, and here's the problem with that, because that's your mentality, because you think the next thing I get will fix my problems, you lay awake at night worrying about getting the next thing, because that's what's going to make you happy, follow me? And Jesus shows up and goes, you know what? That's your master. That's your master. Getting that next thing has become your master. And if you are laying awake at night worrying, that's proof. You think that something else is the solution to your problem. And guys, that's what the world does, right? That's what, that's what sin does. It becomes our master. It owns us. And, and, and here's the beauty in this. Jesus shows up and he goes, but there's, there's another way. Okay, and so, so verse 32, uh, he begins to make his argument. So he says, that's the way people without God act, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. In other words, they run after all these things constantly, okay? And, and this is what he says, here's the revelation. And guess what? Your father, he knows that you need stuff, okay? You know that God knows that you actually need things? That's pretty cool. God knows that I am in need, and, and he knows exactly what I need. He also knows the stupid stuff I want um, and then the stuff I really need. But, but God knows I need. And so here's Jesus' solution, okay, in verse uh, 33. So ready? This is the solution. So here's what you do instead. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's the upside down one. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means, that means his right rule over all things. All right? So guys, when you read the Bible... And it gives you instructions on how to uh, be a husband. I talked about this this morning. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Right? It says, husbands, this is what you do. Okay? So if you're seeking the kingdom of God, you're going, I, I, okay, then, then if God says that, that's what I have to be. Lord, reign over me. Okay? Your rule in my life. Um, you're mad at somebody. And, and, and you read the word of God. 
And it says, if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. And you're like, Lord, reign over me. You're right. Like, you're right. I'm wrong. That's, that's kind of what it's saying. So seek that out. Ready? And all of these things, what are these things? That's the stuff of the world. That's the stuff that the other people are chasing after. Food, clothes, security, all that. It says, all these things will be what? What? Provided for you. Are you sure? Wait, did, did it say, and then all these things you will eventually find? Did it say that? Say all those things you can earn. Just say all those things will become easier. And it just says God will provide for all the things that you really need. So, so here's what I, um, I it, it's been, it's been a, a month or two here, um, thinking about student ministry and different things. And so um, this, is, this is what I, I, I used to teach my students way, way back, and I still teach my students. You guys are just older students. Um, Here's, here, here's the deal. There's, there's two ways to go about it. Ready? So method one is that you declare that you yourself are provider. Okay? Those are big old shoes to fill. Those shoes will keep you awake at night because, man, if you are a provider, you do have to worry. You got to worry about where the next paycheck is coming from. You got to worry about how the mortgage is going to make it. You got to worry about that car and whether it's going to make the trip. You got to worry about your kids and how they're going to end up because ultimately you're the one that molds and fashions everything about them and how they turn out. It's all on you. That ain't me. Uh uh-uh, uh. I'm out of that. Me and Jesus worked that out a while back. Okay? So, so way, method one, the right side up kingdom tells you that you're the provider. You have to provide, and, and you got to, so, so you will spend your life chasing more because you never have peace about whether or not you have enough. And so, so method one is you, chase, you spend your life chasing after all those things, and you keep chasing because you never feel like you have enough, and, and, and you're slave to that cycle, and you have no peace, and you have no rest, and you run around like a chicken with your head cut off. Some of you identify with what I'm saying this morning because that is the cycle you are caught in. Okay, that's my, here, here, here's the deal. The, the only deal is your, your eyes are bad, okay? And, and some of you are like, but I'm a Christian. I, as a Christian, my eyes are still bad. I, 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 need, I need his eyes, right? So I, I, as a Christian, I still can do this. I can forget which kingdom I'm supposed to be living for. And, and when it happens, man, you just get caught up in it. And, 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 and so listen, I'm just here to tell you. So, so method one, you'll spend your whole life chasing it and you'll never get it. That's option A. Option B is instead of chasing all the stuff, you can chase after God. Okay, oh, by the way, option A, not only do you never get the stuff, but you also miss out on God. Okay, so option A, spend my whole life chasing after stuff, and I completely miss God. I, I miss his presence in my life. I, I, I miss walking with him in the garden in the cool of the day. I, I miss him in my marriage. I miss him in my kids. Like, I totally miss God. I just chase it. So that's option A. Option B is I chase after God, and, he, and, and the word of God says, and, and, and if I seek him with all my heart, I get him. So I get God, and he provides for all my needs. That's, that's what lies before us, right? Now, how foolish is it that we would ever choose option A? I mean, when we have it laid bare before us, so I'm just going to say to you lovingly, if you're here and you're caught up in A, what is going on? Right? Wake up. Something. Lord, shake me, whatever it takes, okay? So I, I want to tell you why I think this message is important. 
And so that's the goal through this whole kingdom of God series. Why does this matter? Why does this truth matter that the kingdom should be a priority? Number one, uh, it matters, okay? Because our, our primary problem is spiritual, not physical, okay? So first application point I would say to you is that we need to be born again, right? So Jesus shows up, Nicodemus comes to him, and Nick's like, hey, hey, Jesus, how do I add that righteousness into my life? How do I, how do I just add God into what I'm doing, and Jesus is like, Nick, that's not how it works. You don't add God into your life. You have to be completely born again. You've got to become a new creature. And so some of you are here, and, and, and like that's, that's kind of, you're, you're there, and, and you, you're, you're not a child of God yet, and so you kind of know a little bit about God, and, and you're just trying to add some spirituality to your life. You're kind of like, if, well, if I go to church, then it'll get better right? If, if I do that, it'll get better. If I stop cussing, then, then, then everything's going to be, if I can stop drinking, then everything's going to be okay. If I can stop looking at pornography, like listen, those are all good pursuits, but that's not the answer, right? Your problem primarily isn't physical. Your problem is spiritual. And the Bible says your problem is you need new life. You got to be born again. And so if you're here this morning, you hear those words and you don't know what that means. And what it means is that God, the creator of the universe, made you in his image and he made you to be with him. But because of your sin, you've been separated from him. He saw that was something that you couldn't fix on your own. There's nothing you can do to fix the chasm that lies between you and God. And so God did something for you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we couldn't. He died the death that we deserved. He conquered death by rising on the third day. And, and he ascended into heaven where he now sits at the right hand of God, preparing a place for us. And he says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me where I am. Jesus is coming back and he wants you to be with him. But the only way that can happen is for you to give your life to him. To give the reign that's who's in control over to him and say, I realize that if I'm in control, nothing I can do is good enough for God. But I believe that you came and you did all the good for me. So would you come and cover all my sin, all my dirtiness with all your goodness, with all your rightness, so that I could be a child of God? You've got to be born in the spirit. So that's, that's kind of that's step one. So I, I just say to you this morning, like, listen, your primary problem, I, I know you think it's physical because we live in this world and our eyes are bad and our hearts are set on the wrong thing. And so we tend to think, you know what? I, like, I, 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 I met with somebody this week and, and they thought their primary problem was money. My primary problem is I don't have enough money to pay my rent. That's not your primary problem. My primary problem is I don't have enough food to put on the table. That's not your primary problem. My primary problem is, is, is that, you know, my, my spouse won't listen to me. That's, my prim- that's not your primary. Your primary problem is you need to be born of the Spirit of God. That's your primary problem, okay? That's the a, that's a first reason that, that it matters that the kingdom is a priority. The second reason that it matters is uh, because God, of course, needs to be first in our life. God needs to be first in our life. And so... Uh, Second thing I would challenge you this week is to let God reign in you. Let God reign in you. Um, you could use over you. I, I like in you because um, that's kind of the mystery uh, of the gospel is Christ in us. And, and so, um, guys, we, we have to let God reign in us. And I, I don't know if you've read the model prayer closely. I, I want to go ahead and read it to you again. And so it's in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 9 and 10 is what I'll, I'll focus on. It says, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. And here's, here's our whole series, ready? Your kingdom come, your will be done, uh, down to verse 11, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I read this this week, and I thought it was awesome. When we pray your kingdom come, 
what that means is my kingdom has to go. Just let that sink in for a second. I challenge you this week, like, go pray the Lord's Prayer every day this week. And every time you pray, God, your kingdom come, what we're really saying is that, God, I need my kingdom to go. And I don't know about you, but this is a daily struggle for me. Amen? Right? I mean, I mean, because I, I deal with some people occasionally, not you guys, other people, you know. I mean, other, I deal with some other people, and sometimes if I'm being honest, I'm like, Lord, I just want to smite that person. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they need some Jesus sense in their life, and I, I mean, I don't want, I don't want, they don't have to all disappear, but like, oh my gosh. And, and like, sometimes, sometimes, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, sometimes, some of those people live in my house, um, and sometimes, teenagers. Oh, and, and so sometimes I don't want to be kind. Sometimes I don't want to swallow my tongue. Sometimes I want to stand up for myself. Sometimes I don't want to walk in humility. Sometimes I want to be proud. Sometimes I want to stand up and say, I deserve better than that. Sometimes I want to come against some people sometimes. And in those moments, what I need is Jesus. I need you to reign over me because I know what I would do right now but I don't belong to me anymore. Your kingdom come means my kingdom go. And so where I might not forgive somebody, God says, ha ha, my kingdom, not yours. And I say, yes, Lord, God, forgive them. And then I begin to pray, and Lord, would you bless them? When's the last time you prayed God would bless somebody that really hurt you? Have you tried that? That is rough. That is rough. Somebody has done something to you nobody else can see. Nobody else may even believe, even if you told them. And so you go before the throne of God and you say, God, my kingdom go. Your kingdom come. Lord, would you bless them richly so much so that they know you and they're born again. That's what it means for God to reign over us. Okay? Last reason I think all this is important and all this matters, why it matters to us, uh, is because we need peace and we need rest, okay? Last application point I give you is, is that rest in the peace that only comes when God is in control. Rest in the peace that only comes when God is in control. And so um, one of the most, Jesus was an inviter, by the way. I don't know if you're a natural inviter, but if you're not a natural inviter and you want to be like Jesus, you have to be more inviting, okay? I love you. Just have to be more inviting. You want to be like Christ, you've got to be inviting. I, I, this, to, to me, this is my favorite invitation that he casts uh, in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Why, was Je- why does Jesus offer rest? Because he knows that our eyes are bad, and that our hearts are set on the wrong thing. He knows that we have uh, a hole in our heart that God put there, Right? God has placed eternity and he knows we're trying to fill it with the wrong stuff. And because we're trying to fill it with the wrong stuff, we keep thinking that the next thing will bring us, if I get a little more money, if I get a little more this, if I do that next thing, then I'm going to have peace. And so Jesus says, dude, you got to be wiped out. Right? You got to be so tired of chasing after the next thing. So his offer still stands today. So come to me. Right? I'm not going to make you raise your hands because all the lights are on and we could all see each other. And God, if everybody knew that we were all hurting in church, that'd be wrong. But some of you are 
absolutely exhausted. I could see it in your face. You are so tired of pursuing the next thing because you, you, you want to be happy. You want to be content. And the truth is you are just not. That invitation stands for you today. There is an answer and his name is Jesus. Come to Jesus and you will find peace in the midst of your storm. Come to Jesus and it won't matter about the wind and the waves because you've got him on, on board, right? What's that saying? Sometimes he calms the storm, sometimes he just calms his child, right? And as long as Jesus is on board, I can face any hurricane gale that comes my way, all right? Should you guys pray with me this morning? God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the power of your word. Um, we pray that it's effectual and that it takes deep root. Um, I pray this morning that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you have convicted our spirits. And Lord, if there's anyone here that needs you, that they would cry out that simple prayer, Lord, save me. Here I am. I need you to come reign in my life. I need you to take control. And God, if there's anyone here that would do that today, Father, I pray that you would come into their heart. I pray that you would be the king of their life. And I pray that you'd make them a child of God and they would know it. Lord, for those of us that have fixed our eyes on the wrong things this morning, for those of us that are living for the wrong kingdom, I pray that lovingly you have convicted us and that you've set our eyes on the right thing. And I pray for those of us that are so tired of it that we would find rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.